Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Well, good morning, everyone. Isn't that amazing, people going public with their faith by getting water baptized? I tell you what, that's just super. Yeah, let's give it up for them. That's amazing. Now, I want to encourage you, if you've never been water baptized before, you can do so today. We've got everything that you need to do that. Or maybe some of you have children who have never been water baptized before. Today they can. We have t-shirts, shorts, rooms for them to change, a tent within a tent so you can change in private, all of those kinds of things. I want to encourage you to do that. And also, the second Sunday of every month, we're going to be having live water baptisms that are spontaneous. So maybe you're here today and it's like, I have something coming up today, but I'd love to do it today. When will you do it again? The second Sunday of every month. We will do live, spontaneous water baptisms. We hope that you are able to be a part of that if you've never been water baptized. Now, we want to welcome everyone here, but we also want to welcome everyone watching online. Can we give it up for them, those who are watching with us? We've got... Reggie from Arkansas, we've got Denise from Brandon, Jessica from Brandon, as well as many others who are watching, and uh, we are also on television now. Every single Sunday at 10 o'clock, you can watch us on your CBS channel, whatever channel number that is for you, depending on your service provider. So we want to say thank you for watching. If you're watching on CBS, let's give it up for everyone who's watching. Uh, and we'd love to see you in person one day. Now, we are in a relationship series entitled A Crazy Little Thing Called Love. And last week, we talked about 10 do's after I do. We said, okay, great. You're married. You said, I do. Now, what in the world do I do? What we're talking about is the 10 do's you need to do after you say, I do. And today, once again, to help me communicate these points, I've got the spectacular Miss Peppy Sims. Can we give it up for her, ladies and gentlemen? My lovely wife, she can't stand it when people clap for her. So let's just clap for her again. I'll, I'll, yes, yes. <laughs> oh. uh, but uh, we talked about the first three points last week. And today we just want to pick up where we left off with point number four. And it is this, be the first one to forgive. Uh, a couple of years ago, I brought uh, everyone under the age of 25 who was on our staff over to our house. I really had it on my heart during that stage of life, and I probably need to do it again, honestly, to bring these young people who are on staff uh, into my world and to interact with them, to have fun with them, and to use fun as a way to speak to their heart. If you have parents here, your kids never listen to you when you're correcting them. I just want to help you. They're never, what they're, the only thing they hear is how long they're grounded. That's all they hear. <laughs> If you want to instruct them, you've got to wait to have some fun with them. It's like a farmer. If the, the ground is not open, it doesn't matter if the seed is sown. If the ground is hard, it doesn't matter if the seed is sown. You've got to open up the ground. So with my staff, I knew it would be very helpful for me to open up the ground by having fun with them on purpose to schedule fun. We'll talk about that later. And then to use that as a way to tell them all the things I wish I knew 
when I was between the ages of 20 and 25. Like, what's the difference in a 15-year and a 30-year mortgage? Like, what is an interest rate in the stock market? Like, you know, all, rate of return, like all of these kinds of things, but as well as relational things. And on this one particular night, we were having a game night at our house. I invited everyone over who was under the age of 25. And uh, before we played the game, I made a decision to teach him a lesson. I said, look, now all of you are in the formative stages of your relationships. You're picking friends and you're picking spouses. And I said, here's the exciting thing is you get to pick. You get to pick who you do life with. And I said, you're going to look for many things in a friend. You're going to look for many things in a spouse. But here's one thing you should look for because if you find this, you have found treasure. And it is someone who has a forgiving spirit. There are those who have a forgiving spirit and those who don't. There are those that hold on to grudges and those who let it go. There are those who find a reason to be irritated and those who are willing to let go of mistakes and faults. And I said, you need to date someone long enough to find out whether or not they have a forgiving spirit because if they can't forgive the waiter for messing up their order, you got problems whenever you get married. Because here's the thing, is you are not going to be perfect. No matter who you are, none of us are perfect, and we absolutely need people in our lives who are going to forgive us when we demonstrate our feet of clay. Now, I told him this. I said, for me and Pep, I said, it's very rare we go over 20 minutes when there is a disagreement or someone has done something that, that has upset the other one where we're not talking about it, where we are not, um, you know, engaged in uniting back together and healthy marriage and all of those types of things. I just kind of threw that out there, 20 minutes. I don't know why I said 20 minutes. I just said 20 minutes. I threw 20 minutes out there. So after this segment, we go into having a game night and we're playing Taboo and I'll let my wife pick up the story from here. Well, if you've never played Taboo, uh, what it is is you split up into teams and he and I ended up being on opposite teams, which if you were here last week, you know this story's going to turn bad, right? We need to be on the same team always. <laughs> and so this night we're on separate teams. And um, what Taboo is, is you're trying to get your team to guess the, the word on the card. But you're trying to get them to guess the top word, but you can't use the five words below it to describe it. And so I'll never forget it. It's etched in my brain. But my word was mistletoe. And so I'm trying to get my team to guess mistletoe. And his part during this part of the game is that he's holding a buzzer. So if I say any of those five words below the word I'm trying to get my team to guess, he buzzes me. And, yep, it's bad. And so, um, so I'm trying to get them to guess mistletoe. And of course, the word kiss is on the list of words I cannot say. So I'm using all these adjectives and then I say kuh. And he buzzes me. So and I was like, I did not say she the did. word. He thought I said kiss, but I said cuh. And I was like, I did not say that. You know, our timer's running out, but it doesn't matter anymore. I have to prove that, again, I did not cheat. I did not say the word. So, you know, the whole room is silent because what they understand is this is their boss. And if they speak against them, they might get fired on the spot, you know? And so I'm looking at my team like, guys, back me up. I didn't say it right. Did you know what word I was saying? And, and they're all like just looking off like, huh, <laughs> uh, you know, have you decorated the house lately? Or, you know, they are not backing me up. And so our time runs out and the room is silent. 
and we're just kind of looking at each other like, are you going to say you're sorry yet, you know? And Colton, one of the guys on stage this morning, he was like, well, I think y'all got 17 minutes left to get things right. (laughs) (laughs) So now it's a running joke in our marriage of like, you got 17 minutes uh, to uh, get this right. So we know in marriage, things come up. Uh, And some things, it's it's little things like buzzing someone during taboo. Uh, But other times, it's bigger things. And whenever that happens, and I just had this in my heart when I was praying behind stage, that maybe there are even some couples here today and you feel like you're on the brink of separation. I just had that phrase come up in my heart, the brink of separation. And, of course, there's always a reason. Like, it doesn't just happen. There's always a reason. And somebody has demonstrated a fault that maybe has made another person demonstrate a a fault. And now there's this gap here where there's already separation, but it's like maybe we should just be better off with one another for good. And here's what I want you to know. God has a plan for you. And God has a plan for your marriage. And whenever someone has hurt us, it is only natural to have these feelings of not being loved, appreciated, seen, noticed, or cared for. But forgiveness is not just, I forgive you for your faults. Forgiveness is you confirm your love for that person. Now, let me explain. In the book of Corinthians, there was a young guy, long story short, young guy who was in an affair. And it was bad, ugly, the whole church knew about it. And Paul said, you have to talk to him. Like, this can't continue. And I love how, you know, as Christians, it's not like, well, sweep it under the rug and act like it doesn't happen and act like, you know, no, it's not an issue. He's like, no, tell him it's an issue. Come to him and confront this issue. And they confront it, and the guy leaves. There's separation. He leaves the church. But apparently, there's a heart change on his behalf, and he turns and starts walking back to the church, and Paul writes again in 2 Corinthians, and he says the following to him in verse 7. He said, you ought to forgive him. Now, what does forgive him mean? Uh, You're forgiven. Well, apparently it means more than that. You ought to forgive him and comfort him, lest he be swallowed up and overcome with sorrow. Wherefore, I beseech you that you would confirm your love toward him that you would confirm your love towards him. Now, wait a minute, Paul. He is the offending party. Like, if there's anybody who needs to make up for what he did, it would be him making up for what he did to the church. And here Paul is writing, he's like, no, 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 no. Right now, there is shame on his behalf and in his heart for what he did. And based off of this shame, he's not coming back to the church because of it. And he's like, and he needs to know that not only, like, you're forgiven, but you need to go out of your way to confirm your love for him. Now, we know this is the Jesus way. Like, even in the story of the prodigal son, right, it's like if there's anyone who needs to be making up for what they did, it would be the prodigal son, like, bringing flowers or, you know, killing an own calf that he saved for and brought it back home. He's like, here's a sacrifice to make up for what I did and betraying you and hurting you and wounding you and all those things. But... No, we see him come home, but we see the father confirm his love for the son. It's like this sweeping embrace, like the father running to the son who has gone astray and sacrificing for him. And this is the Jesus way. And you know why? 
Because every seed produces after its own kind. So if you sow these seeds of love, you're, you're going to probably reap a harvest of love. But did you know what? When you're hurt, there's something that gets in your heart that the Bible calls a root of bitterness. And the Bible says this root of bitterness has defiled many. And it's this root that's underground. It doesn't always express itself. But it's this root that is carrying around the hurt and the offense and the wound from what another person did. And you know how you get rid of that root? You overcome evil with good. And that evil that's lurking in your heart, that memory of what they did, of how they treated you, of how it impacted your life, that memory of what they did to you, not just the event itself, is the thing that is harming not just your marriage but your relationship. Maybe some of you today are on the brink of separation with a friend, the brink of separation with a family member. And I want to encourage you, if you are, confirm your love even towards that enemy. And somebody says, how in the world does that even make sense? Even if they never return your love, at least you'll have peace with them in your heart. At least your heart won't be at war with them, even when they're a state away or a country away or however far away they are. At least in your own heart, you are free from what they did to you. It is worth it to be free to sow a seed of love, to confirm your love towards the one who has hurt you. Yeah. I was talking to a lady I'm, I'm close with, and I was aware of a situation she was walking through in life, and um, what had happened is her husband had had an affair on her. And she and I were close enough where we were having a really honest, raw conversation, which I encourage you, you need someone you can have that with. You need someone you can be honest and talk to through these things. And so she and I were talking and I said, I mean, what did that day look like? Like, how did that feel? She said, it was just such a supernatural experience. She said, he walked in made eyes with me, and he laid it out there. He said, I am so sorry. I have hurt our family, and I've hurt you, but I've had an affair on you. And you can imagine what you would think her response would be, and we just sat there, and it got real emotional. And even while I told him this story, while we were preparing for this message, I got overwhelmed with emotion at her response. And her response was she felt just an overwhelming grace and mercy, an undeniable mercy to run to him and just hold him. And she held him and she said, we are going to get through this. And I don't know about you, but that's not the world kind of way. That's the God kind of way. That's choosing that you missed it. But I'm here, and we're going to fight this thing together. You know, we were emotional in that moment. And I said, so was that it? Like, it was just gone. It was washed away. And she said, no. (laughs) It was supernatural, but not that supernatural. (laughs) She said, for a year and a half, I battled that same pain. In the screens, on the screens, they're going to go to Matthew Verse 18, read verse 21 through 22. It said, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times? But Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. If I do my math right, that's 490 times. 
But I don't think it's a number that Jesus is trying to show us right here. I think it's a principle of we're not going to forgive someone. I'm not going to ask for his forgiveness or forgive him for something 490 times and then that's that. It's that every time that thought comes back, you decide in your heart, no, I'm forgiving that offense. And she said for her, for a year and a half, that feeling, that pain, that hurt, you know, those thoughts of, I didn't do anything to cause this. I'm a victim in this. I, I, I did nothing wrong. But instead of playing the card of the victim, she said, no, my marriage is worth fighting for, and I am choosing to forgive him. And she said it wasn't like she was suppressing a feeling. You have to acknowledge when there is pain, when there is hurt there, don't act like there's not. That's okay. That is natural to feel hurt. But our response to the hurt is what will change us internally. Instead of letting that pain and unforgiveness and wrongdoing that he inflicted on her, she decided to choose the way that Jesus instructed that no matter what, I'll continually forgive you. And she said some of those moments where she would just go to him and say, we need to sit down and talk. I'm feeling that pain again. And they would just sit down and talk and reconfirm their love for one another. And you guys, I have seen the power that that ultimate forgiveness looks like. You know, I knew their marriage before the affair, but I know their marriage now. And I am not kidding you when I say their marriage is one of the strongest marriages I know. Anything that has come against them since that point, they are in it together. But not just able to fight and withstand a storm, but there is so much joy in their relationship. There's so much life. They laugh together. They dream together. And I see now that 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 key of forgiveness has brought them into a place where they are experiencing one of the healthiest and strongest marriages I know. But it wasn't because she chose not to forgive him. It's because she chose to continually forgive him even though she did no wrong. Come on, isn't that good? You did so, golly. Like I'm watching you do that, I'm just amazed. It was so good. <laughs> That wasn't planned. Thank no, it's you. true. Uh, so uh, when we were writing this point, uh, this was last Saturday, we sat down to kind of go over it. And she sat down and she said, oh, I'm like, what is wrong with you? She said, I had the toughest leg workout ever on Monday. Have you ever had one of those workouts where after you did it, it just hurt? Uh, like, you know, you didn't even want to like sit down because you knew it would hurt when you sat down and hurt when you had to get back up. And it's like, it'd just be better to stay standing. Uh, it's been a long time since I had a workout like that. <laughs> I need to go okay. back to the gym. But anyway, we were talking about it. And uh, so you have this initial event that hurts, the workout hurts, and then you have this lingering pain that hurts all throughout the week. But the whole time, those muscles that have been torn are healing. And you know what happens with that healing? It actually comes back stronger yeah. than before the hurt. And I want to encourage you, maybe you had an event that happened and it hurt, and then the ramifications of that event are still hurting. It's okay to hurt. But you know what? 
Through the power of the Lord Jesus and with amazing forgiveness, you can heal. And when you heal, you don't just have what you had before. You actually have something stronger than the hurt, than the, the, what you had before the hurt. Amen? Amen. Amen. Our, our next point is this, is you got to have more fun with your spouse than anybody else. <laughs> have more fun with your spouse than anybody else. He and I are very intentional about the people we hang out with. We, we hang out with some people, you know, because they make us laugh, or some people because they encourage us, or some people because we know they're praying for us, backing us up. But something we're fiercely intent with is having a great, fun marriage, because we believe when your marriage is fun, there's life there, and there's, you know, you just enjoy it just the way God designed for it to be. And so we're very intentional about surrounding ourselves with fun couples, couples that have fun together, where it's undeniable that they still love each other. And so we started talking about different couples that we know that we're so encouraged by and that we glean from. And their couples, they range from being married 10 years to 20 to 30 to 40. But one thing we saw in common, though all of them look different in life, have different amounts of kids or whatever, all of them have the common thread of they still have fun together. You know, one couple, their thing that they do together is at the end of work, they come together and they meet up at the park and they go walking together and they talk about their day and, and you know, just kind of decompress and they end the day together. Then we thought about another couple. They are always leaving town, going somewhere together. They travel together. That's kind of their niche. And another couple we like to meet out of town with because when we're with them, all we do is laugh. After over 20 years, they still crack each other up. And that is something that brings us life. But, you know, all of us, we all end up in different seasons of life. You know what I mean? It's like one season you have young kids and you have a job and it's like every minute is kind of claimed. And we were in this season per se. We had young kids and, you know, kids going to school and the church was growing and more demands and more staff and it just seemed overwhelmingly busy. And this one particular day we were talking and I said, you know, what do you have planned this week? So he started talking about a gazillion different appointments he had. And I was like, well, good gracious, I'm going to have to call your secretary and book a lunch appointment to spend time with you. That's the only way I'm going to get you. And we were laughing about it in that moment. But he said there, when, when I said it, he realized in his heart there was truth there, that we haven't been as intentional about having fun as we should have. And from that moment on, we've decided that fun isn't going to be a luxury. It's going to be a necessity in our marriage. Because one thing we realize is when we are intentional about sitting down and having coffee together, those are the moments we're laughing together. There's so much joy and strength in our marriage. Those moments are the ones where we're dreaming about our future and talking about the vision we have for the rest of our life. Fun is a necessity. It's not a luxury. So I want to encourage you. You have to book fun. 
You have to actually put it in your calendar, like Thursday night is date night, and we're going to go out and enjoy a good meal, or we're going to book that trip with the intent of having fun together and dreaming. But don't just wait for fun to fall in your lap, because it never will. Something is going to consume your time. But I'm telling you what, the person you're married to is worthy of your time more than anyone else you'll come in contact with that day. Yeah. Now, when we were going over this point, I just, once again, I try to connect with each point on a personal level. One, to make sure I'm a doer of the word and not just a speaker of it. Um, but two, to also really find the emotional point behind the, the, behind the point and to kind of resonate with that. And I just thought about the intentionality of what she was saying, like the intentionality of making sure we're having fun, the intentionality to make sure that we are connecting, the intentionality to make sure we're having a conversation. And like we mentioned last week, like you've got to know in your heart when it's not right. And when it's not right, you can't leave it there not right. Like your marriage is your responsibility. You got to fight for it. So I'm thinking about all these types of things uh, and, you know, going over these notes. And I just had this story come to my remembrance. And I don't think this is like just like a good memory. I think it was the Holy Spirit. But I never will forget this. I think I was five years old. I was either four or five. But I can remember riding in the back seat in my parents' car. And it's like any other car ride. But, you know, you're watching the, the trees go by and all these types of things. And my, my father's driving, my mom's sitting in the passenger seat, and his hand is on the gear shift. And I can remember being a kid, like, I wasn't even trying to watch their interaction. But this just stood out to me. While they were driving, I just saw her hand come on his Like, just this intentional decision. Maybe for her, it was subconscious, I don't know, but just this hand come on his hand. And I felt something. Like, as a kid, I felt something. And you know what I felt? I felt strength. What an odd thing to feel. But it was so remarkable, it made my little heart, even at four and five, stop. And, like, I felt the strength of that unity. And I, I grew up in their home. I don't know if their marriage was always strong or not, but I, I know this in that moment, I felt strength. And there is absolute strength when you're taking the time to have a good date where you get off your phone and you look and talk to one another. There is strength when a husband's hand is on the gear shift and you reach over and put your hand on top of his. There is strength when you open up her door. There is strength when you sit down in the living room where they're sitting and you look at them and you have a conversation, there's strength in dates, there's strength in couples trips. And here is the point. You've got to be intentional about adding that strength to your marriage. Our next point is this, is it's not enough to say you love your spouse. You must make them feel loved by you because there is a big difference between the two. Yes. In John 13, 34, it'll be on the screen for you. It says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And what this is, is Jesus instructing us that he is taking love as a noun, love as a thing, and converting it into love as a verb. 
And I'm not really skilled in the language craft, but I do know that a noun is a person, place, thing, or idea, and a verb is an action. There's something behind it. What Jesus is showing us is, not, is love is not something you're going to find, although you might find love on a blind date like us. We found love, or maybe you found love on FarmersOnly.com, or, you know, <laughs> found love at church today. I don't know. You know, we find that initial love, but what if that's all we did with it? What if I found love with him, but then I didn't do anything to keep love, that I didn't do anything to show him how much I loved him? I thought about this in planning a vacation. Maybe you planned this incredible vacation. It's everything you wanted. You found the perfect thing that would just put you relaxing and having fun and all those things, but then you didn't show up and go on the vacation. It's going to do you no good. Just because you found love with your partner doesn't mean that's where it ends. Love is a continual action in your relationship. So whatever that looks like for you, make sure that you're showing love. Because one thing I know in all of our marriages is we are going to have those days that are wow days where our spouse just blows us away with their amazingness, you know? It's like they, they could do no wrong on those days. It's the best father you've ever seen, the best wife you've ever seen, the best meal that's been ever made. It's like, wow, I got a good one. But then as there's wow days, there's also vow days where it's like, I vowed to love you and that's why I love you in this moment. Because the way you're acting does not per se make me love you that much. But you know, it's in those moments that it's like, I'm going to love you anyway. Maybe you came in from a bad day of work and you realize that your spouse is probably not at their best. Don't you think that that's probably the exact day that your, your spouse needs you to love them with action? It's not like this understanding you principle. It's not like... Well, I mean, we found love with each other and that's enough. No, convert love into the verb and show love to your spouse through all kinds of ways. Yeah. The Bible teaches in the book of Matthew, and, and Jesus makes a statement. He said, for the love of many has waxed cold. Now, he's likening love to a fire. And he says, have you ever been around a fire that just waxed cold? Like maybe you're on a camping trip or maybe some of you have like a real wood-burning fireplace in your home. Anybody have a real wood-burning fireplace in your home? Aren't they the best? <laughs> yes. Like it's just the, the sound of a crackling fire and all those types of things. I just, I love that. And if you've ever noticed when a fire is waxing hot, it has a lot of logs on it. And when it's waxing cold, there's not a lot of fuel for the fire. And here's what Jesus is saying is like, you've got to understand that love can wax cold. Like there are moments when it's burning and it's hot and then there are others where it's getting dimmer. And he said, the difference is, is how many logs you put on it. And a lot of marriages, they just need another log. Like we've got to be intentional to notice if that passion is there or if it's not. Because it's one thing to say, I love you. And it's another thing to make someone feel loved. How many of you know the Bible does not say, God so loved the world, therefore he opened up heaven and shouted, I love you. And then went on about his day. 
No, he came down and gave us a face called Jesus. He gave us hands called Jesus where we could see his love, feel his love. Jesus was the expressed image of the love of God to the world because he knew, like, I need to show them I love them and not just tell them I love them. And how many of you know in our marriages, we have to do the same thing. Like, we've got to show each other that we love one another. I want to encourage you, don't let your love wax cold. And here's our last point, is you need to praise your spouse publicly and privately. Praise your spouse publicly and privately. Uh, I've been reading a good bit here recently, and one of the things that I find fascinating is how each person has a label over them. Now, we see this even in Scripture, because this is how we treat people, is we label people. And in Scripture, you've noticed some labels, the man with the withered hand, the woman with the issue of blood. Like, we don't even know her name, but we know her label. We don't even know his name, but we know his label. Because here's what we do as humans, is we see attributes about someone, and then we attach a label to them. It's like, wow, you made a good grade, you are smart wow, this room couldn't be any dirtier. You are lazy. Our 12-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you, you really, really were so good at that. You are responsible. And we have all these labels. And each one of us grow up with those labels. We get labeled as children. We were labeled smart or intelligent or you're the sweet one and you're the smart one. And we live under that label of sweet, and then the, we live under the label of smart. And the sweet one may think, well, I'm not smart, but I'm sweet. And the smart one thinks, well, I'm smart, but I'm not sweet because of the label that was attached over them. Now, here's the thing. What's your spouse's label? What label did their parents attach to them? And here's my question after that. What label are you attaching to them? How do you end phrases like, you always... <laughs> what comes after that? You always look so fine. <laughs> why don't you never, why don't you ever do, how do you end that? You never, ever, how do you end that? What's the label you're attaching? But here's the thing, I guarantee you something, they are living up to that label. You know what God does? He calls those things that be not as though they are. So he found a man who was struggling to produce children in Abraham, and he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to change your name. I'm going to call you a father of many nations. He changed his label, and in changing his label, he changed his life. He found a man by the name of Simon who was like a reed easily shaken. Like sometimes he'd be strong, and other times the wind would blow, and, and he would demonstrate his worst self. And Jesus said, I know you've lived underneath that label, Here's what I'm going to call you now. You're no longer Simon. You're Peter. You are a rock. You are steady. You are strong. You are something that I can build something off of. He found Saul, a murderer, someone who's incredibly hard and harsh. And he said, I'll tell you who you are. You're no longer Saul. You'll be called Paul. You will take this gospel all around the world. Now, here's my thing. What have you been calling your spouse? What have you been talking about? And when you talk 
to your children about your spouse, what label do you attach to them? When, when you're in the, the, the thick of an argument, what label are you attaching over them? Because here's what I know. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. And you can kill a marriage with your words, or you can make it come to life. You can kill a relationship with your words, or you can make it come to life. You can curse a relationship with your words, or you can make it come to life. What if we could fill up our homes with you're beautiful, you're intelligent, you're smart, instead of coming like, why are you never here? What if we change the label to hardworking? And I'm so thankful that you're getting more and more considerate of what's going on in the house and with our children. What if we could change our labels with how we talk? Because here's, here's what Paul showed us in the present, is that praise is not saved for the best of times. It's easy to praise on those wild days of like, wow, you're amazing and praise. But you know what Paul showed us? That when you're in prison and it looks like things aren't getting better, you can praise your way out of something like that right now by lifting up your voice and rejoicing over the good things that are in your life instead of the bad things. You know what Jesus did with five loaves and two fish? It was not enough. You know what Jesus did with not enough? He blessed it. And you'll never see what's not enough ever turn into something that's more than enough until you lift it up to heaven and you bless it with the power of your words. Speak life over your husband to their face behind their back. Speak life over your husband. Speak life over your wife. Speak life over your spouse. Speak life over your marriage. Speak life over your family. And for those of you who have children, no, people tend to become what the most important people in their life think they will become. Speak life over your children. Amen. Let's pray today for our families. Father, we come before you and we just thank you so much for every couple here and for every family. And Father, we just thank you that you help us have the marriages and the relationships that you've called us to have. Yes. Father, I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you, Lord, that people are able to come back stronger. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today with your, your spouse or your significant other, would you just join hands with them all over the place? Father, I thank you for these marriages, for these families. And I thank you, Lord, what you have put together. That no man will ever cut it asunder. Father, we speak strength over these marriages, forgiveness over these marriages, fun and life over these marriages. Father, we thank you that beauty is coming up out of ashes. And Father, where there's been mourning, I thank you, Father, you're replacing it with joy. Father, we call these marriages strong, successful, vibrant, and growing. And we thank you, Lord, for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. 
Amen. Well, we have certainly had fun with you guys, and we know we didn't cover all 10, so here's what we're going to do, is we're going to release a separate podcast and a video for YouTube where we cover the last couple of points, and next week, we're going to move on to talk to the singles. Now, once again, yes, okay, we got some class. If you're single, come on here, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're single. Look around, look around. Look around. Who knows? Today could be your day. I met my wife in church. Come on, somebody. If you're going to meet anybody somewhere, how many of you know church might be a good place? Uh, so, but we're going to talk directly to the singles. And once again, if you're married, don't think this is not for you. We're going to cover things that are good for you as well. So you want to make sure you come. Now, if you're single, I want you to bring somebody with you. Uh, and I want you to bring someone who is single, if possible, because we're going to give to every person who is single a book called Swipe Right by Levi Lusco. Uh, that is a fantastic book. I strongly recommend everybody to read it, but especially if you're single. And next week only, if you're here in person, will you be able to get that book. So not only do you want to come, but bring somebody who needs to hear this message as well. If you need prayer for anything today, come down to the altar. We want to pray with you and for you. If you're a guest here today, it's your first time here, go by the big black tents out there in the lobby and tell them this is your first time here at Word of Life Church. And they'll give you a free t-shirt. It's great looking. You want to make sure you get that. And don't forget, if you want to be water baptized today or your children are here and you want them to be water baptized today, we have spontaneous water baptisms going on all service. Make sure at the end of service you stop by and get more information about that. We love you guys. You're God's best. We'll see you next week. You are dismissed.